Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Jeremy Prest. As the pastor leading the media department at Springs Church in Calgary, Alberta, Jeremy is passionate about sharing the gospel through TV. Known for his authenticity, he teaches the word in a way that isn't just relatable, it's powerful. Let's dive into the message. Don't wait for failure to make the change. This topic has kind of always been on my mind. It's something that I've always been kind of ticked off with. Like, I've seen it everywhere. I do it all the time. I would look around and I would see, I would see people make changes after failure slams them in the face. When they have a heart attack, they finally change the diet and they make the change that their body's been screaming at them for years to do. When the divorce papers show up, they finally decide to ask for help or read a book. Finally. And if it's recoverable at that point, who knows? Everywhere in life where we look, we default to allowing failure to cause the change. I say, and the Bible says, let wisdom be the thing that causes change, the catalyst to change. Wisdom should be the first step of that. People say experience is the best teacher. I say it's not. Holy Spirit is. I'd write that down. People say experience is the best teacher. It's not. Holy Spirit is. If you don't learn from God's word or Holy Spirit, you will be forced to learn from experience. Don't wait for the divorce papers to start reading a marriage book. Don't wait for your kids to run away until you start reading a parenting book. We can tend to come up with all these excuses why we couldn't, why we didn't hear, and those, they might be valid, some of them, but there's always a way to prioritize something, to read a, a book here and there. Instead of turning on the TV, decide to just read one minute of a book of whatever you think you need help in. We can throw a podcast in on that 10-minute drive and just play 10 minutes at a time. There's honestly no, mis- no excuse, especially in a day and age like this, where we have information all at our fingertips. When you fail to plan, you plan to fail. When you fail to plan, you plan to fail. That brings me to Psalms 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It's, it's my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, which is anyone older than you, because I keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you you yourself have taught me how sweet your words are to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth, through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate everything the false way. That right there is a brilliant passage. It's Psalms 119, verse 97 to 106, I think I read too. So much packed in there because it says you can be wiser than your teachers. You can be wiser than people older than you. The only way to do that without experience is through Holy Spirit, through the word. Because otherwise, or you watch them do it. Growing up, I used to, 
well, I, I never told him this. My brother's sitting there, so sorry about what I'm about to say. Um, I would watch them go through things, being the youngest. I was the youngest, and they two were older, and I would watch them, I don't want to say as test dummies, but almost in that sense, where I'd watch them do that and be like, yeah, I'm not going to do that, especially my sister. She was, she was yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry if you see this. Um, but I'd watch her do something, or I'd watch my brother do something, and, and it wasn't that it was like overly crazy bad or anything like that, but I would just watch it and go, I think I can learn that lesson through seeing this. I don't need to live that to learn that lesson. And I just kind of saw that in, in little places, and I began to do that everywhere I went. I would try to do that as often as I could. And I think that is a phenomenal way to live. And I think that's honestly, that's what this is for. God has given us this incredible tool to show you how to raise kids, to show you how to run business deals, to show you how to negotiate, to show you how to just be wise, incredibly wise. That brings me to my first point. Okay, I'm doing good for time. I ran out of time last time. You are unqualified. You are unqualified. This is a point I, this is something, the reason I included it was it was something I dealt with a lot. I constantly used to disqualify myself for anything I was called to, to um, sports things where there was an opportunity in my head. I would all default to, I can't do it. I'm not enough. I'm not tall enough to be a good volleyball player. I'm not this for that. I would just always find the excuses. And I think all of us do that every day all the time. We find reasons to disqualify ourselves. And especially when you look at what we're called to do as Christians, we are not qualified to do what we're called to do. But that's where Jesus comes in. That's where Holy Spirit makes up the difference. We have a calling on our life so great to have wealth beyond our generation to two generations below us. I don't know if you know anyone that wealthy, but I don't. That's a huge thing that I'm attaining to do because I'm planning on being a, a person who is able to give to one generation to the next generation as well. We have huge callings. When I began to look at this idea of what it, um, qualifications it would take to have certain jobs, I had an idea to look at what churches would want out of a pastor to be qualified for. And so I began to kind of just look at actual real, real job openings in the States. So I was flipping through and I started to see a trend of what they were requesting the pastor to be qualified for. And um, so I saw a trend here and I wrote the top three that I saw. It says, one, you must have graduated seminary school. Makes sense. Two, you must have been in ministry for a minimum of five years. Sounds good. Three, you must have been married for a minimum of two years. So all three of those made very good sense to me. I could understand them. I couldn't see a reason why they wouldn't include them. They were great. So as I was kind of flipping through that, I was like, okay, whatever. I'll move on to the next thing. Then all of a sudden it hit me. I went, wait a minute. Jesus only qualifies for one of those three things. Like Jesus, the son of God, would not qualify for a position at a pastor at your local church. I was like, you have to be kidding me. And so I, I started to laugh just like that. And I went, this is insane. And they drove the point all, all the more where I went, how often do we create these qualifications to something where we disqualify ourselves when the most qualified person I know to be standing right here wouldn't make it based on what we say qualifications are? And I just went, oh my gosh, I have to, I have to talk about this. It's so huge. And um, I then began to look through the Bible and look at a lot of Bible leaders where uh, you got told Bible stories. All, anytime you got heard a Bible story of Noah, um, David, all these Samson, all these iconic people. And then I started to just look at their lives. And I came up with this list um, of what, this, what they did in their life that disqualified them t- by anyone's standard. 
Never mind to do God's will or to do God's calling on their life. And I just want to go through it real quick. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Moses was a shuddering criminal. Samson was promiscuous. Gideon was doubtful. Jeremiah was depressed. David had an affair and committed murder. Crazy. Elijah was mentally unbalanced and suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Not sure why that disqualifies him, but... We'll go on from there. Jonah ran away. Job was bankrupt. Peter betrayed Jesus. Martha was a worrier. Paul was ingrained in another religion. I think he wouldn't. <laughs> it's crazy. Timothy was too young and had ulcers. Lazarus was dead. He's the only one with the real excuse. <laughs> anyway, so I looked through this, and, I'm, and these are men and women that have done unbelievable things for the calling of God. And I'm so thankful that they didn't disqualify themselves based on what our even criminal system would throw them in jail for. Now, I don't know what, what I think about that, but I'm just talking about the fact that they had every excuse in the book to disqualify themselves. I had done this, I had done this, I had done this, but then they went on to do, do incredible things. David was a screwed up guy, really screwed up, but he was a man after God's own heart and did some of the most incredible things in his life. Incredible things. We are all called to something that we are unqualified for, but Jesus makes up the difference. Where are we at? 11, good. Point two, our response is the difference. Our response is the difference. We've all heard that famous saying, um, life is 10% what happens to us, 90% how we react to it. That is so true. Honestly, you can see someone going through, two people going through the same situations. One, it wrecks them. The other person sees it as an opportunity. One is a victim of the circumstances. One is an opportunist. They see the ability to learn the lesson, move on, and never make it again. Never make that same lesson happen twice. The, how we respond is absolutely everything. If you don't acknowledge your problem, you can never learn from it. If you don't acknowledge it, you can never learn from it. We do this all the time. I do it all the time. I shift blame. I'm, I feel bad for Tamara sometimes because I'm such a debater on anything. And I'll twist things. I'm bad for it. I'm self-admitting it. Um, she's not here, so I should be okay. But I just, I, not that I should blame on everything, but when I'm being attacked, I'll tend to twist it back at her and be like, well, you did the same thing, and then you did this, but I'm really not owning the problem at all. And a problem that you don't own or recognize is not a problem you can fix. You can never fix it. If you think your failure of your kids running away, your business not succeeding, your marriage failing, your health breaking down is due to your circumstances, you're never gonna fix it, never. There's literally no excuse. We are in such a beautiful country with every opportunity at our fingertips, we have no excuse at all, especially with the word and a church like this. There's literally no excuse. If you, if you have, if you're walking to a bus stop or have a car, you have an opportunity to learn. You can throw a podcast in. You can listen to something. Everyone in here has a smartphone, almost everybody. And you can listen to things, read things, grab a book, keep a notepad and pen. If you're in a church like this, you have incredible opportunities to constantly learn. But if we're blaming the problem, we'll never absorb the problem to be able to change it. One thought on there is that people often question if the problems are from God. I just, there's a, you could do a whole message or series on this. It's not. I don't know how this gets confused because there's so many verses that are so clear about God's will for your life, about what, how, uh, John 10, 10, I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full, overflowing in abundance. There's literally nothing that can be taken out of context there. I don't know how it does, but it does. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. He's talking to you. 
plans to give you a hope and a future, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Crystal clear. God does not bring problems, but he gives us the tools and the equipment to handle problems. Life's got stuff, and he's given us the ability to handle them. But our response can often limit God. If we, if we don't own it, how can we pray for it? How can we bring a miracle into our life if we're not even owning the fact that, yeah, maybe I screwed up. Maybe I could have been more diligent there. That brings me to 1 Samuel 17. Uh, I'm not going to read it. 17, 12 to 51. Write this down. I really would, would encourage you to read this. It's a story of David going to, to, to ultimately fight Goliath, but that wasn't his game plan. Um, read it with a really intense look. Look at the words. Look at how David responded. Because the moment I started to kind of walk through it from a personal, personal point of view where I was David going in that same situation, it brought things to a whole new light. Um, I'll make it really fast here because there's a lot of verses. Essentially, he's going um, for his father. He's running food to his brothers who are warriors or like um, are inscripted, inscripted, conscripted, whatever. Um, whatever. Um, so they're in war and he's having to bring food for his father. His dad asks, can you bring this to them? Check on them. Let me know they're good. And so he goes, yeah, of course. And so he does it. He goes back and forth. He's watching the sheep. He's kind of doing double duty um, with all this travel. And so while he's there, he goes to bring his brother's food and he notices this giant making fun of God because they're trying to get someone to bring, to challenge Goliath. And he hears him mocking God and he's the only one bugged by it. He walks up and goes, hello, do you guys not hear what I'm hearing? What's, why are we not dealing with this? This is insane. And then the soldiers start to mock him going, who are you to even talk? You're not even a soldier. What are you talking about? And his brothers are actually among the guys that are mocking him, his own brothers. So it gets to the king who hears that he's, kind of making fun of his own soldiers, saying, do something about it, or I will. But he's a little boy. He's a tiny little guy. And so the king gets him to come. He talks to him and uh, says, what are you doing? And he goes, this is crazy. If no one's going to deal with it, I'll deal with it. The king laughs and goes, what are you doing? And then he pretty much just says, I'm going to do this. I have to deal with it. I don't quite know how yet, but I will. And so he tries to give him the armor. Armor's too big. He says, forget it. I don't need it. I got God on my side. I'll go and do it. They all think he's nuts, which I would think he was nuts too. Um to face this massive giant. To make a long story short, he obviously defeats Goliath. Most, almost every one of us here know that story. He defeats Goliath with a, sl- Goliath with a slingshot, hits him in between the eyes, and um, kills Goliath. And so, they, which changed, because back then, that meant they won the war. If the one warrior beat the other warrior, they would just leave it at that and not sacrifice everybody. So they won the war at that moment. But if you rewind through his story where he was in the green pastures watching the sheep, there's a few things that happen in these verses. I think it's the, even the verses before, so I didn't write it down. A bear and a lion attack him, and he has multiple attacks from creatures that are coming for the sheep, and he has to defend them. I don't know how big your problems have been or what you're dealing with in your life, but I don't know the last time a bear attacked you or a lion attacked you. I don't even know what I'd do with that. But I think in that moment, if, God, if I was following God, I'd be like, God, keep these away from me. Can you not, if you're God of the universe, keep a bear away from me, please protect me. But he didn't do that. He actually acquired his skill and got his skill so perfect that he could deal with a lion and a bear. And he became so skilled that when his pivotal moment in his life came in front of him, he could handle it, no problem. He didn't blame God, say, protect me, God, come on. What's happening here? He went, this is a training ground. I'm turning this, I'm responding appropriately. I've got the skill he's given to me and I can deal with this situation. And had he blamed and said, God protect me, and let's say God did, he probably would have never been a giant slayer. He he would have missed his opportunity had he not owned the problem right in front of him. 
Holy Spirit is our helper. John 14, 25 to 26. I won't read it for time's sake. It's Jesus telling the disciples that Holy Spirit is coming to be a helper. And he's kind of trying to tell them what's gonna happen here. They're very confused bunch often, (laughs) especially with Jesus as their teacher. You look at some of their responses, it's pretty funny. Um, But they're going, what do you mean? What do you mean a helper's coming? You're here, let's, like, what's happening? Why are you going? They're very, very confused. But we often forget as Christians to have access to Holy Spirit. Um, When I was thinking of this thought, and I was kind of bouncing it off Pastor Leon, he gave me this, this thought and I thought it was brilliant. He said, if you were competing in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, does everybody know what that is, that show? Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, that's good. Um, if you were competing in that, do you feel like you could make it to the end and win the million bucks? I mean, think I could do good, I don't think I'd win the million. Um, and he goes, now what if I handed you your phone and you had Google the whole way through? I was like, oh, pff, of course I could. I'd win the whole thing, easy. And he goes, that's Holy Spirit in your life. He's your secret Google that's gonna walk you through every situation. And I was like, wow. Like it just, it just immediately cleared it up for me. But I still had this little confusion back and deep down inside where I went, I know that and I know this says it, but I had, I had never actually fully really experienced it very clearly. I had little things that I thought maybe Holy Spirit was guiding me on until this one, one night. Um, we had our little girl, Sloan, who's four now, but she was only five or six months at the time. Uh, we put her to bed, everything was good. It was a totally normal night. She was our only child. Uh, we go to bed and then at three or four in the morning, all of a sudden I, I like violently woke up. Like I knew something was seriously wrong and I didn't, I couldn't quite put it into words, but I just sat up so violently that I woke up Tamara. She was freaked out. What are you doing? And I just all of a sudden had this impression that Sloan was in trouble. I, um, as, as I sat up, how many times I tell this story and I get emotional every time. Uh, I sat up. I ran across, I galloped across down the hallway, I kicked the door open and sure enough, Sloan, as she was in there, um, the blanket was wrapped around her neck completely. She was almost black and blue. And uh, uh, it's just, sorry. She was, I undid the blanket of course and I couldn't even, um, she couldn't even cry. She had no air to cry. So I grabbed her, I'm squeezing her tight like this, I'm trying to just make sure she's okay, and then all of a sudden about 20 to 30 seconds goes by, and she was able to finally acquire her breath enough to just wail. And she just starts crying and wailing. And all of a sudden, it all hit me, what just went down. And Tamara's there, and now all of a sudden I'm shaking, because it was just such a weird circumstance. And then all of a sudden Tamara looks me in the face and goes, how did you know? And then I went, I don't know, I don't know. We were both in bed, down the room, door shut, Sloan's door shut, no idea. She couldn't, even make a, she couldn't cry, so she couldn't even make a squeak or a noise. Like, no baby monitor would even pick it up. Like, I had no idea. And then that's when I was really freaked out. And so I remember kind of crouching down, holding her, just shaking, wondering what in the world's going on. And I think I called Pastor Leon that night, and I just called him, and I had to, I had to figure this out. I went downstairs, pulled out my Bible, trying to figure this out, and he just said, Jeremy, like, Holy Spirit prompted you. And he said... If we as Christians are responsible with the tools we have, and I say tools very intentionally, Holy Spirit being our helper, thank God you were responsible with it because then you saved your little girl. Holy Spirit prompted you. The signal's being sent like a radio wave is being sent in here right now. Can't see it, can't touch it, I'm not tuned into it. You give me a radio, I'll tune into it just fine. And I'll pick up any signal you want. I'll pick up any radio station. And he said, thank God you were tuned in because it saved your little girl. Because that's the one question I asked. I said, why is it fair 
that I was able to save my little girl and someone maybe a block away couldn't. And he says, as Christians, we're responsible to stay tuned in, to stay in a relationship with God so that we hear that signal and we listen to it. And give Jesus a hand, yeah. I've seen it countless, countless times with Pastor Leon, either being in airports or like, it's almost like people often ask, how does he have all these crazy stories? I don't have anything exciting happen to me. And you hear all these stories where, oh, these crazy things, but he's sensitive to Holy Spirit. There's been times where we're walking through an airport at full speed, full tilt, trying to catch a plane, and then he just stops and just goes, hold on a second. And all of a sudden he goes and we go get some food to which we already have food. And so I was like, what are you, what are you doing? We're going to go. And then all of a sudden he's having this conversation with this person who just needed this conversation and it changed their life right there. And I'm watching going, oh my, what, what's happening? And we got to go. And it's just crazy because he's tuned in and he's, he's in tune enough to slow life down and to be sensitive to it. And that's where these, these crazy stories happen. These incredible miracles happen everywhere he goes because he's sensitive to it. He's tuned in just like the radio. So it's an cr- incredible example of how every person has access to that. When you give your life to Christ, Holy Spirit is your helper. Yours. Gold. It brings me to my fourth point. Wise people don't need as many miracles. Wise people don't need as many miracles. God's grace. I want you guys to write this down. I'm going to say it slow. There's a lot in this phrase. God's grace, God's miraculous power, his favor, his influence should be helping us live out newer levels of success and significance for his kingdom rather than getting us out of trouble we are in through ignorance or disobedience. So much packed in there. I'll read it one more time. God's grace, miraculous power, his favor, and his influence should be helping us live out new levels of success and significance for his kingdom rather than getting us out of trouble we are in through ignorance or disobedience. Incredible example of not waiting for failure to teach you the lesson. If we're, if we're, else, if we're in ignorance or disobedience, failure is gonna be at our, on our doorstep everywhere we go. Everywhere, in, all, in, in every relationship you have. If we're in ignorance everywhere we go because we have excuses or we're blaming, we're shifting blame, we're never gonna get to the next level in whatever area you need to. It brings me to Proverbs 1, 25 to 33. Since you laugh at my counsel and make a joke of my advice, how can I take you seriously? I'll turn the tables and joke about your troubles. What if the roof falls in and your whole life goes to pieces? What if catastrophe strikes and there's nothing to show you for your life but rubble and ashes? You'll need me then. You'll call for me, but don't expect an answer. No matter how hard you look, you won't find me because you hated knowledge and you hated nothing to do with the fear of God because you wouldn't take my advice and brushed aside all my offers to train you. Well, you've made your bed, now you lie in it. You wanted your own way, now how do you, how do you like it? Don't you see what happens, you simpleton? Carelessness kills, complacency is murder. First pay attention to me and then relax. Now you can take it easy, you're in good hands. Wow, wow. <laughs> That's the message of the Bible, Proverbs 1, 25 to 33. At first I was like, is that God talking? I was like, I hope it's not. And, it's, and if you look at the whole of context, it's wisdom. It's wisdom saying, I'm knocking at your door every day. You've got the word of God in you, you've got Holy Spirit in you. I'm knocking, please answer. I want to teach you here. I want to take the knowledge you have and apply it into wisdom everywhere you went. When, when Solomon, 
when Sol- Solomon was the wisest man to ever live, he didn't ask God for knowledge, he didn't ask God for wealth, but he, got, he asked for wisdom, he got wisdom. And with wisdom came the, the lar- most wealth the world had ever seen. And even I think to this day, they say he's still the wealthiest person of his time, or of all of our time, because of wisdom. Wisdom can walk you through any and every situation, every business deal, every negotiation. When you got your back to the wall, you don't know what to do, wisdom can help get you through that with Holy Spirit's power. Don't wait for failure to make a change in your life. I wanna challenge you. What in your life needs change? What in your life is failing? See it before it breaks. What in life needs changing? Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more messages from encouraging speakers that air on Miracle Channel and Corco. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.